well, Hank. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hmm. I'm good. Should you choose to accept to talk about Tom Cruise? Uh, okay. Well, anyways, this was nice. We should do this more often. <laughs> you don't hate him as much anymore. It's just nice to be heard, you know? It's nice to, every so often, just, how are you? Well, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> ah, great. Okay, well. <laughs> Move it on. Yeah, keep uh, things on on the up and up. Yeah. 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 Have yeah, you ever... You know, I was just going to say, like, you ever had it where someone is, I feel so often you ask someone like, hey, how are you? And it's like, not a genuine question. Yeah. Like, it's simply a courtesy that you're extending. It's it's like, it's the accepted, it's the accepted thing that we do. And but every so often someone will be brutally honest. You'd be like, hey, how are you? And they're like, actually not great. My dog got run over. My wife left <laughs> me and... uh and, you know, I don't know how I'm going to wake up in the morning. And you're like, okay, well. I have to run. Yeah, that'll be $32.50. Um, debit or credit. <laughs> Just <laughs> exactly. Like, you know? Like, I, have, I, I read an article, well, I guess that's almost a year and ago, but being a bit more intentional about conversations. So in place of like where you're genuinely wanting to d- dive deeper into things, you be more intentional mm-hmm. about your questions. So instead of saying, you know, how are you? You say, hey, what's something you're looking forward to this week? Or, hey, what, you know, what's what's been on your, <laughs> what have you been stressing about recently? <laughs> Just so that then someone can be like, hey, like I don't have to do, you know, tiptoeing around politeness. I can just right. say, you know what? I'm really looking forward to. And then they get a chance to talk about something that they're passionate about. Yeah. And then maybe it, instead of, you know... I'm extrapolating. It didn't go into this in the article, but maybe if it's the opposite, that you're just wanting to be courteous and polite, maybe to an individual, one would just walk by and say, wow, love this weather. Isn't it great? And you can say it with a smile and that conveys, hey, I'm acknowledging your existence, but don't have time to talk. Right. Well, it'd be a little strange for strange, like, you know, those like interactions with people you don't know, like, you know. I'm loving this weather. Yeah, you just like you reach the per you reach the checkout of the grocery store, and they're like, "Hi, how are you today?" Now, with how I am, what's something you're excited for this week? They're like, "Hi, uh, sir, <laughs> sir, I'm going to call my manager." Yeah, yeah. Uh, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast, and I am Peter, and my co-host who is kind of struggling with wanting to be polite with strangers, but also not wanting to get too deep depending on what the circumstance is my that co-host of mine is brady yeah i just want you to know i care without actually caring you know <laughs> and i and, and i want it to be understood like not you specifically i just mean yeah, like yeah, the yeah. general person i want mm. it to be understood that although i'm acting like i care i don't actually usually probably care so don't <laughs> you know don't go into detail it's a, a very blunt but in some ways sincere statement Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mission Impossible. We are here not for social etiquette lessons, although Mm. it's a nice added feature of our show. Mm. We are here to continue the exciting series of Mission Impossible, starting all the way back with number one, moving all the way up to the new release, which is, man, it's getting close, of number seven, 
in July, I want to say. And mm-hmm. we are here today for number five, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I love that the inflection that you had when you when you said continue the exciting series, you sounded like a dad trying to convince his kids that the, the family vacation they're going on is not as lame as they think it is. No, come on, guys. It's going to be great. <laughs> like guys, just... Winnipeg in January is awesome. Yeah, to hell with Disney World, guys. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, you're going to love this. You have no idea. It's They've got <laughs> stuff. stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. I haven't really looked it up, but I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're on to the fifth one, mm-hmm. which means after this, there's only one more entry before we're mm-hmm. all set and ready to go. Yep. Which is wild. Yep. It is. And it also means that we're now into the thick of what I would have perceived or anticipated to be like Mission Impossible. Like the, the Mission Impossible that everyone's nuts about. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... You talk about Mission Impossible and the phenomenon that it is, and everyone loves Mission Impossible. The new ones, every time a new one comes out, it's all exciting and blah, blah, blah. And mm. you you just weren't quite there when we did, like, the first and second one because it's like, well, you know, these are the older ones. Maybe they're still kind of finding their footing. Maybe they're still blah, blah, blah. But we kind of, like, looked ahead to mm. the ones from the, the 2010s and forward right as as being the the iconic ridiculous stunts super hyped you know the 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 cultural movement that seems to be mission impossible right the and the the, the golden years the years where they've worked out all the kinks where there's it's a well-oiled machine and yeah, and so the yeah. reason, the only reason I bring that up is because I think it's an interesting lens to look through this review of, um, hmm. in the sense that, like, if this is a positive review, then everything checks out and everything is the way that it, you know, was prophesized to have been. <laughs> um, but if there's negatives or there's drawbacks or it's like, ah, oh, you know, this one, I don't think this one was as good as, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then it's it's an interesting, I don't know, it's just an interesting exercise and like, huh, right. maybe the hype was a little overhyped. <laughs> well... If that's not <laughs> planting a seed. No, well, not this. I, I gave both options. I yeah. said it could be good. I said it could be bad. Mm. Who knows? Who mm. knows? Who mm. knows? Um, so if you're joining us for the first time for one of our Mission Impossible run-throughs, the way we do this is a little different than our regular episodes. Instead of just kind of sitting and chatting and sort of this throw something at the wall and see what sticks kind of manner, mm. we have eight different categories. Those eight categories being plot, Tom Cruise's performance, the villain, the gadgets, fights in action, romance, uh, romantic interest, supporting characters, and the intro sequence. And we rank each one of those categories on a scale of 0 to 10. We take those eight numbers, those eight scores when everything is said and done, um, and we average those out to find our are as objective, as unbiased as we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, as as gut reaction as we can get, score for the film out of a, a score of zero to ten. So yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Well, 
let's without let's, further ado, let's, let's crack just open. do it. Um, so for the first category, which is plot, I gave it a six. Huh. Okay. Um, it it gets some points this time for potentially being a little more original than mm. some of the tropey ones that we've gotten in the past. Tropey being like, sure. oh, it's, you know, there's a, a list with the identities of all the agents. Oh, there's a nuclear codes. Oh, there's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets some points for that. Sure. It loses some points for it wasn't as, remember the praise that I gave Mission Impossible 3, where I was just like, this was crystal clear. Mm. There was never a moment of confusion. There was never sure. too many parties in play. There was never um, the espionage governmental <laughs> fancy talk that you kind of have to decipher. And there wasn't that overly, that like cliche, overly complex mission briefing where no. some guys giving the exposition and we're sitting there going, okay, uh, huh? Wait, <laughs> yeah. what? I think I've got... I think I kind of get it. Right. Hopefully I have it enough that it (laughs) won't matter and it just kind of makes sense moving forward. Mm. Um, This one I found had a little bit of that in it. Um, There was a little bit of, like, ultimately the plot was, the way I saw it, was Ethan's in hiding. The IMF has been dissolved. They're trying to track him down. Um, they think he's out to lunch with this whole syndicate thing. It's mm-hmm. basically, it's basically an MI6 and Spectre kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the IMF and syndicate. And so we're like, okay. And he's kind of like racing against the clock in order to prove like to, to screw up the plans of the bad guys. Mm hmm. And also, in turn, prove their existence so that he's no longer a wanted man, right? Right. But there's this, like, there's, like, this this kind of other overarching story. They're like, okay, well, what are the bad guys actually even after in this? Like, what what mm-hmm. are the plans that he's, that he's trying to stop? Foil? And it's like something about like this nerve gas and mm. and something else. But then I feel like the nerve gas never really plays a massive role in it. I it's it's just like it's weird. There's like this there's there seems to be this forgotten plot that's just kind of there to add some context to our main plot. Mm. So so that I lost some points for me for that. The other thing that really brought this this score down was me just sitting there thinking like, my God, at this point it would be shocking and, and refreshing and actually a, a, you know, left hook kind of thing for a mission impossible movie to come out and be like, actually he has during this mission, he has the full support of the IMF. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Goodness. If someone is not disavowed or the thing doesn't exist anymore, or it like it's if I said, oh yeah, that Mission Impossible movie where where um, he's kind of on the run and he doesn't have any support, yeah. and he's kind of on his own on this one. Well, that's been half of them, uh, at least. 
Yeah. And so that that dragged it down for me. So all in all, six out of ten. Fair enough. I wasn't too far. I gave it a seven. And, you know, I, I did I thought it was decent. Uh, but I would agree, in some ways we've been there, done that. Like it's just the whole repetition of him against his own organization and mm. Yeah, it's just like how many times can Ethan be disavowed? How many times can be he be on the be be hunted and he be on the rundown? And so, you know, that worked against the score. But one of the reasons I gave it a high score was even though that was a bit of a you know red flag for me. And like you said, sometimes it, you know following the plot was a bit not difficult, but you had to kind of f- stay focused on okay. What exactly are we doing here? Like, what fact we're breaking into this factory to get what exactly? And right. how does this actually work towards our goal? Like, sometimes it would take a bit to understand what is actually happening. That aside, I will say, considering this is a fifth film in a franchise, that's a pretty solid story that we watched and a pretty solid film. Like, yeah. list another franchise. That by film number five, you still go, you know what, is it perfect? No. But is it solid? Sure. Look at the Matrix. They couldn't even muster four. Right. So, you know, <clears throat> I is it perfect? No. But it was decent and it was serviceable. So I gave it a seven. I mean, arguably the Matrix struggled to muster two. That were- <laughs> <laughs> that we walked out and go, you know what? That was really solid. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to Tom Cruise's performance, I gave it a seven. Um, Sir, nothing that like blew me away. Mm-hmm. But also, I didn't really have any major gripes. Sure. Um, it was enjoyable. Um, and I don't know how much of that was Tom Cruise's performance. How much of that was the writing for his character in this one. Mm. Um, but I did like, I enjoyed, he had some good quirky moments, right? I enjoyed like when Benji arrives in, um, uh, was it Austria? Is Mm. that where the, the opera was? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. When he arrives somewhere in Europe, he arrives in Europe and there's a whole earpiece conversation. Um, stuff like that was a lot of fun for me. It, it being explained to him that, oh, you know, you just have to hold your breath for three minutes, four minutes, you know, like whatever it is. And he's just being like, oh, uh, right. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, fine. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, which I kind of thought the one weird thing about that was I was like, oh, come on. Three minutes. Like, I, I know I can't hold my breath for three minutes, mm-hmm. but... There's like, didn't Kate Winslet just hold her breath for like six minutes while filming Avatar Way of Water? So I'm just like, I come on, Tom Cruise. Like three minutes, three minutes should be like, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan should be well-versed in three-minute breath holds, but uh, whatever. Um, Tough he should Yeah, he shouldn't be, you know, whatever it is. But um, yeah, there was a lot of, there's a lot of great moments. I enjoyed watching him interact with, with, you know, the other people, um, the supporting characters and stuff like that. Um, it's interesting because I feel like, although he's the st- obviously still the, the main character in this, mm. um, I felt like this film had a little bit more focus on, not like more focus than on Ethan, but more focus than in the past, 
had a real kind of emphasis put on supporting characters. Like there was there were hmm. some side plots going on that didn't involve Ethan. And right. so, yeah, yep. which I was not a gripe. Um but I feel like just gave me less to go on hmm. for my score. So anyway, 7 out of 10. Cool. Um I also gave it a 7 out of 10. You know, I thought it was good. I my hunch and my hope is I feel like we're maybe not peak Tom Cruise yet in this series. I wonder if we're almost there though. Um I think what worked against it was for me, it seemed like weird chemistry with the female lead, and it actually wasn't anything wrong with the chemistry. It's just that I just don't understand what I'm supposed to feel with him on screen, because I might just to assume at this point that Michelle Monaghan is just gone for good. And I, What the hell? I know. And, you know, I, it's just to go from such a rich character um, addition to having them together to, to then... She's kind of referenced and they're apart to stay safe, but then just nothing at all. So, like, even when the chemistry in this film is occurring, I'm like, should I feel that this is inappropriate because he's really with someone? Or should I feel sad just because of the relationship that's broken up due to circumstances? So, you know, mm -hmm. I guess just I felt conflicted with how that was supposed to make me feel. So that worked against the score. And I just do feel it's a bit more hollow without Michelle Monaghan. So I gave I it a seven, seven out of ten. I firmly, um, I firmly believe, I firmly submit that if she doesn't come back either in, in Fallout or in Dead Reckoning Part 1 mm. in a significant way. Right. Um, <clears throat> and even then, like, even then I'll be mm -hmm. like, okay, like, okay, now you're just backpedaling and realizing that, <laughs> like, you messed up. Yeah. Um, it will be it, her... The way that they handled her character and her character's storyline, for me, will will be Mission Impossible's biggest misfire. Yeah. Will be no. like, what were you thinking? It is a question for sure. And actually, before we continue, I could have put this with plot or I could have put it with Tom Cruise, but I will make a note of, we've got a new director as we have in this series. We've got Christopher mm -hmm. McQuarrie. And it's significant for two reasons. One... And I'm actually shocked by this. In a series that in every single film we get a new director, he not only directs this film, he's directs, directing the next three. Hmm. So that's one interesting thing. The other interesting thing is if you look at this uh, professional's uh, movie uh, list, more so as producer, but as director, it's all Tom Cruise films. So he was a producer for Valkyrie. He was producer and director for Jack Reacher. He was producer for Edge of Tomorrow. Obviously, director, producer for Rogue Nation. Producer for Jack Reacher 2. Producer mm -hmm. for The Mummy. Producer, director for Mission Impossible. Producer for Top Gun Maverick. So, like, everything this guy touches has Tom Cruise involved in it. And yeah, there's no bit, point no point to this. I'm just finding it quite interesting. A little bit of a bromance there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, our next category is villain. I also gave this a seven. Um, it, 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 he He's not going to go down in history as, as the greatest, you know, foil to our, our spy protagonist of all time. Um, but he was 
better than we've had. Um, sure. Yeah. I thought he, you know, he had the look. Like just physically, you look at this guy and you go, yep. Oh yeah, you're a you're mm-hmm. you're either a Bond villain or you're a Mission <laughs> Impossible villain or you're you're diabolical and you're wanting to take over the world. That's you know that is that is the face that you have. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for you in real life, that is, you know, that's a it blessing, is what it is. A blessing and a curse, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah i I thought it was fascinating. Um, there wasn't. He had a couple of like monologuey moments, which a lot of people would look at and go, "Oh, it's you know, it's monologue moments." And I'm like, "Well, no, you know what? If it's not." If if you're not sort of hit over the head with it, um, then it, it it's kind of an important ingredient, I think, to have kind of a monologuey moment from your villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and he he sort of I think he found the right they found the right blend, the right balance for him in this. Um, so I enjoyed that. Yeah, he just kind of, you know, again, not the greatest, but I enjoyed him. I found him menacing. I found the elusiveness about trying to track him down and sort of that cat and mouse thing that was going on mm, yeah. quite appealing. Um, yep. So, 7 out of 10. Cool. I actually was a bit stronger on this one. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Whoa. I gave him the same score is Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is pretty big. That's a big deal. Um, you know, Sean Harris, I've seen him in obviously this, but I've seen him prior to this. I saw him in The Green Knight. I think he played King Arthur in that. And I saw him in the, I don't know if it's really considered a biopic, but the the Spencer movie um, that came out last year. And he was a peripheral character in that, but he was really good in both those films. And I thought he was good in this. And for all this reasons you said, he was I think just a great villain. You just looked at him and you felt uneasy. And I I just felt he was memorable. I felt he felt fit the role well. Mm-hmm. And I think what worked for me is Philip Seymour Hoffman was incredible, but he pushed the envelope a, a bit too much for me. At times I just felt uncomfortable when he was starting to like go after uh, you know, family members or threatening family members, or even like the times where he would be like tipping out of a plane and you just didn't even have anything on him. Like he had you where you want, he wanted you. And with this villain, you know, he was intense, but he never really made me feel uncomfortable. So it worked in his favor and um, I wasn't uncomfortable viewing him, which is why I gave him such a high score of nine out of 10. All right. Gadgets. In, in some ways, my most important category. In many The category ways. that I stay up at night thinking about. Um, <laughs> You're not joking. I gave it a six. Okay. Okay. It's, there's kind of not a lot. Yeah. This time around. Um, we get to see a mask. Well, I mean, it's not even. It's like Benji kind of daydreaming about how the mission's going to go. So we, But we do get the visual of a mask being made. Mm. Um, so that was, that's fun to see. I'm trying to remember what's the, oh, okay. The record, the record player thing is how he gets the, the initial, right. you know? And yeah. so that's cool. 
Um, there is no end of the film, your mission should you choose to accept it mm. thing, which is bullshit. But, <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? There's just like, yeah. there's not yeah. a crazy amount of, and, and maybe that's because he's cut off, he doesn't have access to a lot of things. But the, it's strange, though, because he doesn't have access to a lot of things, but then every so often, it's like, okay, but then where the hell did you get this from? Right? So, mm. like, he doesn't have access to uh, gadgets because, um, you know, he's cut off from IMF, and then subsequently IMF doesn't exist anymore. But then there's, like, this crazy, like, computer disguised as a a playbill from the opera kind of device that he supplies for Benji to use backstage oh. at the opera. And I'm like, where the hell did you get that from? <laughs> like, this seems like the type of thing, like this is put together very specifically for this operation. Right. And this is the type of thing that, requires a team of people and several months of R&D and then a lot of like building to so I don't know the, the gadgets to me in this one just kind of felt like an afterthought they were kind of like packed <laughs> in there um, like, hey guy, hey Stu remember we got to put some gadgets in this movie so yeah uh, this is one of them there spy films isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, you know the stuff that was there I I found fun to look at fun to watch um but ultimately it was just kind of really let down by it you know it just kind of like okay we we've got this computer disguised as a as a playbill but we don't have anything to like there's no tech for like i get there's you know the metal sensors and blah 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 so you can't take in uh, mm. a, a respirator into the there's not some kind of plastic tech like IMF hasn't like <laughs> the world hasn't sorted out some sort of way to to breathe underwater when you can't get metal uh, it, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it just kind of felt mm-hmm. like we need to have okay. gadgets but we're not going to really focus on gadgets this time around. so that was a big letdown for me but 6 out of 10 yeah um, here's the thing I, so I watched this film and then I waited a couple days till I made my notes to kind of brew on them. And by the time I wrote my notes, I what I wrote down is I literally don't remember any gadgets. Exactly. I gave it a 4 out of 10 and the number I gave was pretty arbitrary. I have nothing to say because I literally couldn't list one if I wanted to. So underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I gave it a 4 out of 10. All right. Uh, next category we've got is fights and action. Uh, this yeah. is a nine out of ten. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see. Um, it. The the tenseness of the underwater chamber sequence, um, some of the the I mean, just the fighting in general. But you have to, although we're certainly going to touch on this in a in another category. This is the infamous holding on to the side of a plane as a plane takes off. And um, I think I knew about this one for a while i just didn't know where we were going to see it yeah same same for me i knew that it was just like i knew him climbing up the side of the building with suction cups was a thing yeah and there's one more stunt that i'm aware of that we have not seen yet and so now i know it it has to be in the next one Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
you know, it um it was just amazing. Like it's it's <laughs> it iconic, it was funny, you know, and the whole like open the door thing. Um so that was great. Uh nothing that's like aside from that and the under- underwater sequence, yeah, there's some some fighting. But there's nothing that like really stands out. Right. Other than the things I've mentioned, there's no like, oh, but this incredible fist-to-fist combat scene or this like mm-hmm. super crazy car chase or this like, you know, <laughs> like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I don't know. But I still gave it a nine. And and so much of that nine, I think, is based off, is off that damn airplane. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, yep. nine out of ten. I wasn't too far behind. I gave... 8 out of 10. You know, you hit it on the head. The airplane sequence really set the tone. I thought the whole movie had a great pace. Um, I loved the opening sequence. And what I liked about the opening sequence was it was everything we wanted visually, but it was very good as far as not being too long. You know, in other sequences, I'm thinking of the jail one, they they had really prolonged sequences and those can be done but they're harder to pull off and harder to uh, you know yeah. have the same umph and so mm-hmm. it's not that they can't be done with this it was very prompt and quick and before you realized it then the opening credits credits were starting and i wasn't even upset about that like i thought like ooh okay this is all we needed and it was in intense and it was quick and that was good so um, the rest of the film, the action and the, the, the fights were just as good. And, um, you know, they had really good resolutions, especially at the end, like capturing our, our villain and doing it in a very sneaky and, and fulfilling way. So yeah, I gave it an eight out of 10. I was very happy with that in this film. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next up romantic interest. I gave it a four <laughs> and, Part of that, it's like it's based on three factors: sure. two that bring it down, and one that kind of brings it back up. Okay. Um, the first one that brings it down is obvious. It's where's mm-hmm. where's Julia? Yeah, yeah. Where the hell is Julia? <laughs> Coming out of Mission Impossible Three, I think we were both very excited for not only her character, but like the dynamic that having her character there was going to implement moving forward. Mm-hmm. And aside from a, you know, she's kind of playing snooky snooky with a, a coworker <laughs> and he, he's watching from the shadow. Like, it just, mm, where, where yeah. the hell? And then she's not in this one at all. Yeah. So yeah. that brought it down. The other, the next thing that brought it down, I mean, just in terms of like, you know, if we're talking about rating the, the romantic interest, mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like there was one. Like there's, no. there's a female character mm-hmm. and there's, you know, the, the cliche, I'm going to make poor decisions because she has, you know, pretty, a pretty face and a sizable cup size. Like, so he's like, you know, I, <laughs> I've got an exit. Do you want to come with me? What? Who the hell is she? Like, what yeah. are you doing? Right? 
She's like yeah. a, a walking, talking, <laughs> autonomous, wonderful person who mm. you know, might be good, might be evil, but our our hero smells estrogen and goes, <laughs> okay, you're coming with me. And it's just like, but then it doesn't actually turn into anything. Right. right. Like, it's not like they, like, I don't think they, they don't sleep together. I don't think they, do they even ever kiss? No. No. She, no. she, I think she ends off saying like, you know how to find me or something. So yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it's, it'll pay uh, off. Maybe, maybe it'll pay off. I mean, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you know, if you need anything, you know how to reach me. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm interested in that way. Maybe they're right? misinterpreting. Maybe you said that and Steve down the street was like, oh, wow. Didn't yeah, think Brady maybe. thought that way towards me. But maybe. Okay. I don't know. Um, the thing that kind of brought it back up. So those are the two things that kind of brought it down. The thing that brought it back up a little bit is I was like, I, mean, I don't know if it needed a romantic interest. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Right? So like, if Julia's not there, then I think to an extent, any other, like barring a miracle, any other romantic interest that you could present to me in this is mm-hmm. to an extent it's just gonna piss me off a little bit i'm just gonna be like what why why yeah. you have you had a per you have a perfectly good character you're not utilizing mm-hmm. so anyways four out of ten cool i give it a five honestly there's not much to add here you know i think it all i think honestly what it boils down to and for you and me both it sounds like who are we even considering at this point in this category? Yeah, you know, like Rebecca Ferguson, I have no no problems with. She's fine, but it's just give us some more clear definitions. Either just say Michelle Monaghan is off the scenes completely; he's moved on, and or maybe give us definitions of we don't need to know that, but just make it more clear that Tom Cruise is just having a fun relationship with this person as a human being. And it isn't necessarily romantic. And then we can just have fun with that. you know, I think just choose a lane and, and let us know how to feel, but a five out yeah. of 10 it's, it is what it is. All right. Supporting characters. I gave this an eight. Um, we have Luther back, not in a super, super prominent way, but a lot more than we had him oh, last time around. A lot better. Um, so that's good. Jeremy Renner's character is back and, and I like him just as much as I did before. Um, <laughs> I think he's great. I really enjoy him in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg in this franchise is aging like fine wine. Like <laughs> he, I each, have to agree. Each yeah. installment, whether it's like playing Halo at his desk or it's like... Yeah. You know, in the opening where he's in the field and and fumbling around trying to hack the doors of the plane, Mm. different aspects of the plane. Um, Which I can't even imagine the stress of having to do something like that and like in a second language on the screen and just like I was feeling anxious for him. Yeah. Um, He's just great in this. He adds adds that level of, of comic relief without... Without crossing over into the ridiculous obnoxious mm-hmm. jarringly yeah. funny kind of realm um <laughs> so I, I yeah i think the dynamic of his character is spot on yeah. um we have the introduction in this one of alec baldwin who is not a villain but is kind of the he's this the speed bump he's the 
you know, <laughs> this guy's probably a great guy um, and and could probably be a real ally to us. <laughs> But he's also very bureaucratic and he, you know, bureaucracy and IMF don't really jive together because we're so unorthodox in our methods. We're so, you know, just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and don't really have time to wait for different authorizations kind of thing. Um <laughs> And so, but I would guess because of the end of this film, I would guess that we're going to see him again moving forward because he's now no longer, he's now no longer the head of the CIA. He's mm-hmm. what, secretary of defense or, or something, some, something like that. He's, yeah. he's gotten a, he's gotten a big promotion. And um, the last thing we see or hear of him is Jeremy Renner kind of, duplicating and throwing back a line at him from earlier in the film where he says, welcome to the IMF. Um, so I imagine he'll he'll play a bit of a role moving forward. But I gave supporting characters an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I wasn't too far behind. I gave it a 7. I love Luther back having a great presence. I just love him. And I was very happy to see him. Simon Pegg, I'm right on board with you. Just love the increased role. Jeremy Renner, couldn't agree more. He's solid. And it's probably confirmation bias, too, just how we, as fans, are now just kind of coming around him in his time of just recovery, how we like yeah. him as a human. It's kind of confirmation bias when I see him in this film and he plays a good role in this film. I'm also just, I'm liking it a little bit more than I maybe otherwise would, and I would still like it in normal times. And Alec Baldwin, yeah. For me, he was decent. A little take it or leave it. I feel like he, you're right, he plays that speed bump role where he's kind of antagonistic, but then when alignments uh, occur and, he, you know, he's he's on the right side. I just feel he pales a little bit in comparison to Lawrence Fishburne, where he played that role in MI3, and nothing wrong with Alec Baldwin. I just preferred Lawrence Fishburne's rendition of that role, so it wasn't as good, but overall, 7 out of 10 for supporting Yeah, what the characters. hell happened to Lawrence Fishburne? Call him back. Get I mean, him and Michelle Monaghan back. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, keep Alec Baldwin. It's fine. I'm just like, where? Where? And bring back the Mighty Ducks guy, too. And just like work it in that he didn't actually die in number one. <laughs> just yeah. totally retcon this thing. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, a final category. Oh, the well, the other thing I was going to point out. Sorry. Sure. No, no. Um, I find two things I was going to point out, actually. One is, it's weird. We're like, we're we're agreeing. We're like neck and neck here. I was surprised. Like a lot of the times it's just subtle differences or exactly the same number. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah. The other thing is, um, I, I find your appraisal of... Um, of Simon Pegg interesting because the first time he showed up Hated was him. he yeah you were not you no. you weren't so hot on it no I've warmed up yeah huh I think it was just because it was a high stress scene where he was following things by the book and Tom Cruise was on the phone with him saying I need you to do A B and C and Simon Pegg was you know by the book afraid for a job saying I can't do that fine I'll do it after a lot of arm twisting and so i just felt i think a little bit antagonistic towards him going come on like 
yes, you're realistic. Yes, I would do the same thing in your situation. But as a movie viewer, I was like, you are an obstacle right now. It's with these ones, he's less antagonistic and he's more, as being part of the team, he has more of an opportunity to be his humor bleed through. I think that's the difference for me. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, final, final category. The intro sequence. <laughs> I gave this a nine out of 10. <laughs> and it was almost a 10 out of 10. And I'll tell you why it's not, but not man, nine out of 10. First yep. of all, funny, High action. I knew this stunt was a thing. I did not expect it to be. I didn't know it was like an opening sequence. Yeah. Um, and so it's just fun. It's like they trigger the music at the perfect moment, right? Like when he just like pulls the parachute on the thing and goes flying out the back of the plane. That and is the music pretty starts. sweet. It's so good. And it's the right friggin' Thank song. Thank you. Thank you. The song is perfect. Yep. Perfect. Don't meddle with it. Just rinse, cycle, repeat. If I was if I was writing in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation's intro sequences yearbook, <laughs> I would say you're great. Don't ever change. <laughs> yeah. What brought this down? Because I think this is a near perfect intro sequence. This is like everything I'm wanting, except. And this is something that I forgot to bring up in the last one, mm. the, like in the last Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And this one is a little bit less of an offender than Ghost Protocol was, but still totally an offender. Mm. The whole time the theme song's playing, they're showing you a montage of everything that happens in the movie. Mm. Of all the fights that are coming up, the characters that are going to show up, the the climax, the whatever else, and it's just this, like this flash of not like generic Ethan IMF kind of footage, not previous missions, upcoming scenes from this film, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why? Your intro sequence isn't a trailer. Mm-hmm. You've won. I'm here. I'm watching it. You don't need to advertise this film to me. All you're doing at this point is giving things away. But that's not new. That's happened in every single one. No, not every single one. There was one where it was all just oh. um seat where you were just is it the first one where you're just following the fuse through like Oh, pipes I think and, that was number three. I think that yeah. was the jailbreak one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair. so it didn't do fair, it fair. in that. And I was like, yeah. okay, great. Fair, fair. This is just like a fun, interesting, you know, kind of yeah. like the Bond sequences where you're yeah, just yeah. like, oh, it it's just nothing, like but it's generic just stuff. Fun yeah. yeah. It's fun to look at. Yeah. True. Anyways, so nine out of 10, brought down a little bit by this like <laughs> spoiler heavy montage they do, but perfect song, great sequence. Just <laughs> loved it. I also gave it a nine. I loved the intro action sequence. Like I said, it was quick to the point and the pace was great, but the intro music sequence was entertaining. Um, And yeah, just keep it simple. The MI uh, theme is just excellent. And we, I haven't enjoyed it this much since number one. And I would have given this a 10. Uh, I just liked it a slight bit less than number one. So I had to go down to a nine. 
Uh, but yeah, it's everything we wanted. I didn't mind the the spoiler heavy montage, but just the music was wonderful. The outro music was just as good, where we get the the tone and the the actors smirking about a joke they're saying, and then it cuts the credits and the music is rocking. And I've got hope, Brady. I have hope that I will be able to sit in a premium theater and have that jingle play in its proper tone in number seven, because it's going to be the same director and. I hope he doesn't rock the boat, but yeah. I gave it a nine. I give it a nine. If it doesn't, if they get it wrong in this new one, I may, st- I, I won't leave the theater because I'll have to watch it so we can review <laughs> it, but I may stand up and say, oh, come on. Yeah. In a <laughs> like, Jim Carrey voice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll spit a little bit probably <laughs> when I, yeah. All right. Well, if I take all of my scores mm-hmm. and I, I tally them all up. And then average them. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation gets a 7 out of 10. Which (laughs) actually puts it, I'm guessing, is very similar to yours. Um, Which puts it dead center. So it it means that there's two Mission Impossible films that have scored higher and two that have scored lower in my Mm. ranking. So it's kind of, it's right in the middle. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, right in the middle. That's cool. Yeah, I gave this like a se- my averages came out to a seven out of ten, and the scale that I used that like it's a written down like this is a seven, this is an eight, blah 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 was also a seven. So no, like it was exactly a seven. It wasn't like Unanimous. a seven point two. It wasn't a seven point three. Yeah. Like it was a seven. Yeah, I didn't so have I to do that, any rounding. I find yeah. that hilarious. That's um, so you funny. know, okay, I think so. It's at the very top of all the Mission Impossible films for me, and it has the same score as Mission Impossible Two. They both have seven. I think intellectually, this is the best for me, just because I'm thinking about it intellectually. It's like, okay, the music was the best since number one. The fights and action is incredible, like modern day effects and whatnot. You have a bit more of a mature, funnier Tom Cruise who's a bit more self-aware. You know, like all these things that I'm like, okay, it's measurably intellectually, like if we're having a debate should be better. I think I just had a little bit more fun with number two. And I think it, leans into how corny number two was and like being from the 90s so all this to say mission impossible rogue nation i enjoyed it and it's definitely up there for me and as it ranks on like a scale of zero to ten it's the number one of all the films we've seen so far wow Mm. wow man that's hilarious i can't believe like how on the same page we were like literally yeah like what the hell is that that never happens never well like once every couple years yeah blue like a blue moon kind of situation (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh what'd you watch this week sir i watched let me just get the old phone out here all right i watched two things okay it's not like the most right home about it week of what i watched all right i feel like the last few weeks it's been like oh here's something that it's from my childhood that I revisited or hear something that I was really like awoken to and I want to share with you. It's just, I watched it and here we go. Okay. I watched, I watched The Walking Dead when it came out. I watched like the first five seasons-ish, mm-hmm. maybe six, maybe six. And then I just fin- fell off the bandwagon. I can't even blame like busyness or kids or anything. Like this was years ago that I stopped. I just... 
kind of got tired of the whole rinse cycle repeat where you start a season or even start an episode and you get two minutes of juiciness, a lot of filler, and then a cliffhanger at the end. And it was just always the same repetitious cycle where in every season of the show, you'd get go two steps, but walk one step back and not get mm. any answers. I've never and, seen an episode. Uh, I, yeah, I can't. I would not recommend it just because it has to be up your alley for you to commit to 11 seasons or something. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, I was just curious because finally after 11 seasons, it ended. So I watched literally just the finale, like just the final episode. Uh And I gave it a five out of 10. I'm happy that I, A, didn't stay on and keep watching or B, decided to keep watching to watch the finale because truly the finale was for me underwhelming. It was very repetitious of, hey, we walk two steps forward, but one step back and we don't do anything gratifying. And, you know, you just kind of are churning the butter here, but you're not really moving forward. And it wasn't that I, you know, hey, you're out of the loop. You don't understand what was going on. Like I read up and did some Wikipedia reading to understand what the significance of things were. And I still shrugged my shoulders. So I can close that part of my life off, but it was not for me. I'll just say. Okay. All right. The other thing I watched is I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, as in like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania or Ant-Man and the Wasp, like the second Ant-Man? And- the 2018 movie. film. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I have not seen the new one. I've seen number one, obviously. And Ant-Man and the Wasp, I gave it a six out of 10. It was fine. It was serviceable. Mm-hmm. I honestly... It's just a coincidence that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was out. I literally just chose it. It was a list of films. And I'm like, you know what? This has Paul Rudd in it. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be a fun MCU film. So I was like, let's check it out. And that's exactly what I got. I like me some Michael Pena, some Evangeline Lilly. Sorry, this was the first time you'd seen it? Yeah. Oh, my God. And I knew, and there were some definitely significant things that I knew were coming because I've Mm -hmm. seen, you know, um, Avengers Endgame and War and all that stuff. So, like, I knew some things that were happening in it. But, yeah, I'd I'd never actually seen it. So, it was more just wanting to watch something that had Paul Rudd in it. It was also coincidentally an MCU (sighs) film, which has Mm -hmm. significance for a lot of reasons. But that is what I watched this week. What did you watch? Your MCU watching habits make me want to bash my head off a wall. Like I can't even it's it's so OCD upsetting. Like if I could go back this, and like this restructure fu- this podcast from day 1, it'd be it'd be like there'd be it would be built into the agreement of what this podcast was going to be right. that we would work through the MCU. <laughs> I uh, I think it's funny because I like I'm I'm just like yeah whatever I I'll take it I you know uh, it's it is what it is for me and I think that listening to the movie news recently Carl Eastman has the same reaction when you told him that you watched the fir- the fourth Indiana Jones first prior yeah. to all the others and i was yeah. like and you gave your reasons they were good ones they were like hey it was with friends it was an environment and i wasn't that into the series at the time so i was like hey it makes sense but carl eastman seemed pretty perturbed by it but i could like that's the thing though is i could get you into this series if you if you only let me like mold you and if i only <sighs> had time to watch 47 movies and 12 tv shows 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week, so coincidentally, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm working through the MCU currently. Um, I don't know where we left. I don't know where I left off with, with oh, you last week, but it was um, so, an Avengers movie, I thought. And okay, so if there's a little bit of overlap here, yeah, of course. Apologies. Yeah. Um, watched the first Ant Man. Nice. Watched uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Man, what a time no, it was! No, when no, that came that's out not even. Avengers. I don't know why I just said that. It's not oh. Avengers Endgame. Huh. Why did I say that? Oh, I yeah, because watched... it's the first. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Ant Man. I watched Captain America: Civil War. Mm, there you go. And same thing. And <laughs> um, and then Black Widow was nice. kind of the next in the timeline, the chronological oh, timeline. Right. So the movie, yeah. the movie out of time is is what that one is. Um, and then rewatch gave a second watching to um the Pope's Exorcist. Holy. Which only Poop gone balls. to see in the theater for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then it became available for at-home viewing. Oh, great. Um, so watched it again, and Brianne watched it with me this time. Jeez. And I think she was surprised. Like, I mean, I don't think she walked away from it going, ah, oh, that was incredible. Yeah. But not scary, right? Like, it's not, it's it, it's more of like a, a, a possession, more of like a demonic thriller, with like some cool Catholic Church, Abbey, Vatican history type stuff woven into it, Spanish Inquisition type thing. Like it's interesting. It it it's it's interesting. Um I definitely I definitely enjoy it. I I know a lot of like horror fans didn't get much out of it. They're kinda like, Oh, this thing sucked. And I'm like, Well, maybe I'm just after something different. Hmm. Um, because I I kind of enjoyed it. So okay. yeah, well, yeah, I yeah. can't say I would say the same. Well, you—I mean, you haven't seen it, so <laughs> I would recommend it. Is it like uh, Gladiator? Mm, yes, exactly. Okay, it's exactly right. like Gladiator. It's in fact there is, and I mean, this is not really a spoil. It's not a spoiler. Yeah, the movie ends with a shot of Russell Crowe's character because it all takes. It's like you know the Vatican mm. and stuff mm. like that, right? Yeah. And so geographically, it made sense, and it was never a part of the script. But at at a very last second, kind of thing, they were like, oh, "What if?" Which should we? Oh, we should do this because this will be great. <laughs> and so the film ends with sort of like a a mon- like there's narration happening, and it's just Russell Crowe's character walking to the camera or away from the camera or something. I don't know, mm. but in the background is the Coliseum. That's that's interesting. That's cool. and they're like, and it was a very intentional like wink nod nudge yeah. kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. yeah, wrap it up, sir. Well, thank you so much for listening, for joining us. Join us next week as we review new things, review new movie news, move forward in the world of entertainment and and chatting and good times. Give us a like, follow, subscribe. Three hundred. It's that's a big. Don't like you just sweep that under the rug. You're you're get pad pad that pad that episode. Pad it up. uh, Yeah, there's stuff. There's stuff coming. We're not ready to announce it, but there's stuff coming. It's going to be big. Um, it's we're gonna review all Fast and Furious films in one episode. Yes, yeah, yeah. all adaptations of King Kong. It's uh, 
it's, we're going to be here a while. All adaptations of The Exorcist. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Give us a good rate and review. Check out our Patreon page. It's where you can get uh, some perks, like extra voting power, uh, occasional bonus content, and it's ways for you to help us support the show, and we really appreciate all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. We do truly appreciate you helping us keep the bills paid and the lights on. And until next time, um, open the right door. What? On, is that, on, a, is that a, on the is plane that, a, that you're getting into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that, it was, I didn't know where else to go. Your heart was there. Your The heart was in it, I could tell. I was yeah. you.